Are you ready for the word? Amen. I ask you again, church, are you ready for the word of God? If you are ready, give God all the praise, give him all the glory and the honor right there in the chat. Amen. Amen. And amen. Well, church, let's go ahead and get right into the message that God has set apart for us on tonight. Amen. Do me a favor. Turn your Bibles open to the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verse 19. Again, <clears throat> turn your Bibles open to the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verse 19. Now, keep in mind, you, I'm going to be reading from the King James. That's the KGV translation of the Holy Bible. However, you can use whatever translation that you better understand or you would prefer However, just please understand that the wording is different, but the general meaning is the same. Again, it's the book of Isaiah. This is in the Old Testament and the book of one of the book of the prophets, the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verse 19. And if you're still getting there, that's fine. Take your time. But once you get there, make sure to follow along. And the word of God reads, behold, I will do a new thing. Mm. Behold. I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Amen. It's, it's crazy because this scripture speaks exactly to what God has done and continues to do within the ministry of Greater Impact Church. When we started this church eight years ago, it wasn't started like a normal church would normally start. Most churches, if not all churches, have first started by establishing a physical brick and mortar presence, right? In their local communities. And that is what I would call the traditional way of planting a church. Now, just as God uses greater impact, God also uses other churches. Just as God uses greater impact, he uses other ministries. Just as God uses me, he uses other pastors and leaders for specific assignments. Amen. I've said this before, and I will say this again. Greater impact church will not be for everybody. I'm going to say that again. Greater Impact Church will not be for everybody. What does that mean? Does that mean that we're going to pick and choose who we preach to? Does that mean that we're going to pick and choose who can be or who is a part of our ministry or our community? Does that mean that, you know, we're going to cast away some people that we don't like or we may not care for? No, that's not what that means at all. What that means is that Somebody can come to Greater Impact Church and may not be able to be fed in the ways that they need to be fed. Some people may come to Greater Impact Church and may not be able to focus properly in the same way that they could focus at another ministry or church in their local area. See, everybody is wired different. Everybody is wired differently. Some people need that extra um, 
physical intimacy in a local setting. And then there are some people that just are timid or they're fearful or they are not willing to set foot into a local brick and mortar building. And then there are some people that need both. They need that physical community as much as they need that spiritual community. Here at Greater Impact Church, yes, we offer that physical community, but it is still virtual. What that means is that I can't physically hug you, but I can spiritually hug you. And I know that sounds like a cliche, but it's not. See, I remember when we started this church eight years ago, and we had God taught me this lesson very early on in the, in the birth of the church. There were some people that came to me and testified that even though we were miles apart, in some cases, even though we were countries and states apart, they still felt that level of fellowship that they would feel if they went into a local church. And then there were some people that said that, you know, they appreciated the, 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 the ministry of Greater Impact Church and they appreciated how God used this church to bless them and to impact their, their lives but they still needed that physical community as well. Some of those people have chose to go to both a local church as well as Greater Impact Church online. And they have that balance. But again, there have been other people that have decided to up and leave all together. My stance has always been and will always be, go in the ways of the Lord. Go in whichever direction you feel that God is leading you into. Amen. It's amazing to me because uh, a couple weeks back, I met with my executive team. And as I met with my executive team, you know, we were casting vision and we were just kind of, you know, setting the tone as to what is going to happen from this point forward in the new year, the year of 2023. And I just remember just hearing these testimonies come forth. And I just remember just just the just how in awe I was after that entire meeting had concluded. I remember and recall how refreshed and rejuvenated I personally was just from hearing how God is using this church to make an impact in the lives of his people. And regardless of what side of the fence you're on, if you're that person that says, hey, this is my church home, this is my community, this is where I worship, this is where I feed from, this is where God has planted me, praise God. If you're that person that can say, well, this is where God has planted me, but God has also sent me to a local setting to uh, get that second piece, that physical piece, because I need it in my life. Okay, glory to God as well. Or if you have been that person that was like, yeah, greater impact is good and all, but it's just not for me and you left, that's okay too. Because I still praise God for you. Because regardless if you're still here, Regardless if you have chosen to come here and go somewhere else, 
Regardless, if you have chosen to leave altogether, you are still a part of what God has done and you are still a part of what God is doing here at Greater Impact Church. Amen. Amen. But I also remember some of the people that left, they criticized how we did things. When are you open up a local location, they would ask. When are you going to get your own building? When are you going to build your physical church? And I'm going to ask God, Father, when are you going to lead me to build a building? Father God, when are you going to give us a building to move into? And the Lord would always lead me to this scripture as an answer to that prayer. And what did he say in Isaiah 43, 19? Behold, I do a new thing. Behold, I do a new thing. Some of you here with me tonight that have been with Greater Impact Church for some years or for some time now, or maybe you have even just come on board and you may have asked yourself that question. Well, Apostle Mike, well, God, when will Greater Impact Church go into the local setting, into a brick and mortar building? And God's response is, behold, I do a new thing. See, for every assignment, God starts from scratch. For every assignment, God starts from scratch. See, when God first gave me Greater Impact Church, the first mistake that I made was I was comparing my vision to someone else's vision. I was comparing my mission to somebody else's mission, and God had to correct me on that. Because, see, you can't, you can't do the same thing that someone else has already done. What I mean by that is you can imitate it, but you can't do it. You can imitate it, you can reflect it, but it's not going to have that sense of originality added to it. Because why? Because God is doing a new thing. So I had to learn very early on, eight years ago, from starting this church that God is doing a new thing. And what that means is that he is calling me to do an original an original thing. A new thing is an, an original thing. A new thing is an original thing. It is not, it is not an imitation. Maybe God is calling some of you to start a church. Maybe God is calling some of you to start a ministry. And you just stumbled in here. Again, as I mentioned earlier, I don't believe in mistakes, but I believe in divine appointments. And I believe that there's a reason why you're here tonight, because maybe could it be that this word is for you? For every assignment that God gives you, God starts from scratch. God didn't tell you to be an imitator of man, but to be a reflection of his son, Jesus. Ooh, Jesus. I'm going to say that again. God did not call you to be an imitator of man, but instead called you to be a reflection of Jesus. Who are you imitating? 
Are you, are you imitating or are you reflecting? There are two different things. To imitate is to pretend. To try to be like something you're not. You can't be something that God never created you to be. You can't do something that God never created to, for you to do. Sometimes we focus all of our time trying to touch somebody else's work and then wonder why we're not successful in the work that we said that we were to do. For every assignment, God starts from scratch. Why? Because he wants to do a new thing in your life. He wants to do a new thing in his church. He wants to do a new thing in his people. But sometimes when you give God your yes to that new thing, it'll turn some heads, not in a positive way, but in a negative way. It'll turn some heads because you see, you still got Pharisees and Sadducees that are in the marketplace watching your every move like they did with the apostles, like they did with Jesus. And, and, and because they can't understand what God has given you, they try to condemn it. Is this not what they did to Jesus? They could not understand the fullness of the ministry that God the Father had given to his son Jesus. So what did they do? They rejected him. They backstabbed him. They put him down. They even crucified him. And we know that these things must have happened so that we could be forgiven of our sins and that we could be redeemed and so that we could be caught up with the Father through Jesus, his son. But it wasn't the fact that their hearts were not already hardened when Jesus arrived on the scene. See, the Pharisees and the Sadducees will hate the original. <laughs> Excuse me, catch that. The Pharisees and the Sadducees will hate the original. They will hate, they hate originality. Because see, all the way up until the point of Jesus coming on the scene, they were used to people glorifying them. They were used to people confiding in them. They were used to people fearing them. But then when Jesus came on the scene, the tables turned because now the truth was preached in the fullness as in the fullness that it was supposed to pre be preached in, that it was supposed to be presented in. And so because they could not understand what Jesus was teaching, they labeled him as a, uh, a, a demon. They said what? The only reason why he can cast out demons is because he's the prince of demons. To only have Jesus not even blink twice before he corrected them by saying, well, if I'm a demon and I'm casting out demons, what sense does that make? Because any kingdom divided against itself will not stand, but it will fall. Whew. Shut them up real quick. And there were a couple, there was a couple of more instances where Jesus had to correct them and put them in their place. Because see, they were condemning him all the way to the cross because they could not understand 
the vision and the mission that God had assigned to him because God was doing a new thing. Every, everyone's story is different. Don't compare yourself to someone else. You are two different people. Sometimes, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I got caught up in trying to compare myself to this pastor and trying to compare myself to this bishop and trying to compare myself to this church and that church. But then God corrected me. Mike, what are you doing? <coughs> That's not what you're to do. That's not who I called you to be. That's not what this church should be. This is what you should do. This is where you should be. This is what I have for you. Every person's story is different. But does not diminish the fact that God will use it any less for his glory than he did someone else's. See, sometimes we get so caught up by going to that one thing that is big and shiny, right? That one thing that is attractive. But because it is attractive doesn't mean that it's anointed. Because it's attractive doesn't mean it's what God has for you. Because it is attractive doesn't mean that even they're in the fullness of God's will. See, the Bible says that God loves a humble beginning. God loves a humble beginning. God loves it when we humble ourselves before him and we cry out to him in prayer and we seek him first place. We seek him first place and ask him for his direction and his guidance as to where he would have us to go. Instead of us trying to figure it out ourselves and base our vision and our mission off of something or someone else where again, God, is doing a new thing. God does a new thing, but yet his same glory is portrayed. The way God moves in my life may not be the same way God moves in your life, but nonetheless, God is still going to move. <sighs> Somebody need to praise God right there. Regardless of how God moves, he's still moving. Amen. Regardless of how God moves, he's still moving. So that is enough for somebody to praise God for right now, right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Doesn't mean that I'm more favored because God moves in my life a certain way. Because the same way God moves in my life, he can move in your life. The same way that God moves in Greater Impact Church, he can move in other churches. You just got to give him an open invitation. You got to give him open access as to what you need him and want him to do for you. Oh, glory to God. See, sometimes we get upset and angry because God moved in somebody's life when we've been praying for a certain situation. But what does the word say? Humble yourself. Seek after me and see if I will not move on your behalf. Seek after me. Repent of your sins. Hallelujah. Some of us been seeking after God, but still holding on to sin, wondering why God hasn't answered the prayer. It's not that God hasn't heard it. He's heard it. But he's waiting to move. It's not even that he doesn't want to move, but you have built a wall by continuing to hold on to a thing called sin. But the, the, the moment that you get this revelation to let go of the sin and let God take it away from you completely, then that is when you will notice the barrier will be broken 
That's when you will notice that the barrier will be torn. That's when you will notice that God will move in your way that only God can move. And that's when you will have a testimony so great that people will... That people won't understand because why? Because God is doing a new thing. There have been people in my life that, that, that just could not fathom how God could move through the airwaves, could not understand how you could have church on a virtual worship center, could not understand how people could be baptized and spirit-filled, and could not understand how God could make an impact in someone's life, could not understand how people could get saved and how people could have community by just coming to church online. But yet God did it anyway because why God? God is doing a new thing. Can somebody say that with me? God is doing a new thing. Come on, somebody. Ooh, Jesus. Jesus. God is doing a new thing. But yet his same glory is portrayed. See, when we give God our yes, when we answer the call and we give God our yes, there will be a series of tests and trials and tribulations that will take place. And these trials and these tribulations and these tests are necessary because in the midst of the foundation being shaken, the unnecessary things are going to begin to fall away. The things that cannot stand with you will begin to fall. Sometimes this is relationships. Sometimes this is friendships. Sometimes this is people that you admired so much and now God is shaking your foundation and now you're seeing them fade away. You're seeing them fall away and you're asking God why and your heart is broke and you find yourself crying and you find yourself seeking the Lord on their behalf. The answer is this. The reason why they are not there, the reason why they have gone into the background, the reason why they have gone off into the night is because I, hallelujah, declares the Lord, I, I, hallelujah, declares the Lord, am sending you new people, I'm sending you new resources, I'm sending you a new thing that is more reliable for the new foundation and which I am beginning to lay. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. It was necessary for some things to be shaken off of you like a tree. Hallelujah. Loses its leaves like a tree loses its leaves because those leaves were loose. And when the wind blew the leaves off, it was so that new leaves could grow in its place. Leaves that would be healthy. Leaves that are capable of being fed. Leaves that are capable of receiving the nutrients that the tree could offer it. My, 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 my. When you give God your yes, there will be a shaking in your life. But don't be afraid of the shakening that is taking place in your life. Don't be afraid of when people began to fade away and go into the background and go off into the night in your life because it's necessary. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, it is necessary. It is necessary. <coughs> Every time I gave God my yes, there was a trial and a tribulation that would happen that would hurt 
in ways that I could not even explain how it hurt. And I always would find myself asking God why. And did you know what his response was? Behold, I do a new thing. But then he goes on to say, in Isaiah 43, uh, 19, he goes on to say, in that same verse, he says, Behold, I will do a new thing, now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. What is God saying? God's letting you know. I want to do a new thing in your life. I want to do a new thing in your season. I want to do a new thing in you this year. But if you give me your yes, I need you to have enough faith to give me access to move on your behalf. I need you to know that just as I am faithful and called you to a great work, I am faithful and will see you to the finish. Hallelujah. The Lord declares, hallelujah. I need you to know that I'm faithful and that all the tribulations and the trials that you go through, I will get you through it. Do you believe that, church? Do you believe it? Some of you have so many testimonies that could just testify to that very thing. I know I sure can. I, I, I remember, man, people walked out. People walked out off the team. And I didn't know how I was going to replace that person. But here come God. Here's another resource. Here's another resource. Here's another resource. And every resource that God would give, every resource that God would supply was beneficial and foundational <laughs> it was beneficial and foundational it was reliable and it got it it got us what we needed in that season see god is faithful you will be shaken when you give god your yes you will be tested even Jesus was tested as he was going into his ministry, as he was entering into the call that his father had for him. But look how much of an impact Jesus made. Look at how much of an impact the apostles, the original 12, made. Look at the impact that we're making in today, on today. Look at the impact that we are making on today. Amen. Amen. There will be times when the enemy will tempt you to doubt your impact for Jesus in the world. Man, if I could count the many times that the enemy would come to me and just try to get me to doubt the, the level of impact that we were making in the world for Jesus. Whew, man, I remember one time the enemy came to me and was like, why do you continue to pastor this church? Why do you continue to do this stuff? Is anybody really listening? And I'll be like, man, you know, I would feel so upset. I would go and look at the analytics on our YouTube channel and I would go and look and see uh, how many people listen to our podcast and 
I remember I just kind of faded out a little bit. But in that season of hardship, in that season of my doubt, in that season of my struggle, I remember a lot of testimonies began to spring forth. And then when I made the decision to get back into doing the, the podcasting for the sermons that would be preached on Sunday, I remember I logged in and just seeing how many people, how many people, we're actually listening to the word of God on YouTube and on our podcast all across the board. 300, 400, 500 people listening to the word of God that is being sent forth. And then I remember on the podcast site, somebody had on one of the podcasting platforms, they had left a comment. And said how they enjoyed being a part of this community. And how they enjoyed listening and carrying the messages with them. And how much of an impact it has really made in their walk with God and in their life. My God. As you guys heard earlier, right, uh, as you guys heard earlier, right after the worship experience. There's always that one story, it's always that one testimony that really blesses my heart and really impacts me personally to my core as to how God is moving and how God is constantly bringing into fruition the mission and the vision and the purpose of this church. My God, my God. So there will be times where the enemy will test you. Because see, the enemy sees us as a threat. The Bible says when two or three are gathered together in his name, the name of Jesus, there he shall be in the midst of us. The Bible says that when we come together in agreement, there is a response that is made from heaven. The Bible says that when we continue to do the work that God has called us to do that there will be a response from the people that God sends across our path Whew. I just can't help but to think and be grateful for all that God has done within this community of believers I can't help but not to think and be grateful for how God has made an impact in each person's life, including my own, through this church, through this community that we call Greater Impact. Every time that we gather on Sunday, every time we gather and lift up our voices in worship, every time we go to an impact group, every time we open our Bibles to study, every time we listen and apply the word of God to our lives, we are stepping on the head of Satan. Greater Impact Church, you are serpent treaders. You are serpent treaders. You step on the head of the enemy every time you choose to put the word of God to work in your life. Greater Impact Church, I need you, hallelujah, to stand up. And I need you, hallelujah, to walk in faith. And I need you to continue to tread on the head of the enemy, hallelujah, because you are more than a conqueror. You are more than victorious. You are children of the Most High God. And there is no end or limitation as to what you can do. Come on. Come on. 
Jesus. There is no end. There is no limitation as to what you can do for the Lord. My, 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 my. My, my God. Don't let the enemy get you caught up in your doubt. Don't let the enemy get you caught up and thinking, why do you continue to go there? Are you really being fed? The fact that you have a testimony is evidence enough of how well you're fed. Oh, Jesus. Whew. How you know what to do when certain things break out in your life is a testament. How God is growing and expanding you in the midst of the fellowship that you are a part of. My God. My sermon title tonight is, This is Your. This is Your. This is Your. And there are three things that God wants to put behind Your. This is your call. This is the first one. This is your call. Do me a favor. Turn your Bible open to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9. My God. The book of first, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9. And the word of God says, Who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. My God. I'm going to say it again. Who hath saved us and called us within holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. My God. See, this is your call. We are all called to make an impact for Jesus in the world. If you're a part of another church, cool. You're still called to make an impact in the world for Jesus. You don't go to a church, cool, be a part of greater impact if the Lord leads you to. But again, I say to you, you are all called to make an impact in the world for Jesus. It, doesn't it does not matter what your economic status is. It does not matter what you're calling your purpose is. See, sometimes we are waiting on standby for man to come to us and say, oh, you're a pastor. Huh? Oh, you're a prophet. Oh, you're an apostle. Oh, you're a bishop. Oh, you're got to start this church. Oh, you got to start this ministry. First off, the call does not come from man. The call originates from God. See, sometimes men will try to make other men and other women in their likeness, trying to take the form of God without even realizing that that's what they're doing. For an example, a father, a, a son, a son is a father's pride. I'm going to say that again. A son is a father's pride. And out of that pride, the father will try to groom the son to be whom he is. But because you, the father, you, the dad, are a pastor does not mean that's the same anointing that your son has. You can be a pastor, but your son could be a deacon. 
You could be a bishop, but your son could be a prophet. You cannot label your children with the call that God has assigned to you. It is non-transferable. <laughs> Jesus, it is not transferable. So stop being so hard on your children, thinking that they're going to take your place when you are done. When you are ready to retire, when you are ready to step down, does not mean they're going to succeed you. Because God may have somebody else that is not even in your bloodline that may succeed you. And this is another reason why we got so many leaders in the church falling away because they were generational. Generational not in the God way, generational in the man-made way. This is your call. We are all called to make an impact. It doesn't matter what your status is. It doesn't matter if you know what your office is in the church yet, or even if you have an office in the church, because not everybody will be a pastor. Not everybody will be a bishop. Not everybody will be an apostle. Not everybody will be a prophet. And that is okay. Because we got to be in alignment with the will of God, not the will of man. Jesus. The first call, the general call, is to make an impact in the world for Jesus. How do I do that? What is the commission that God gave us? Is to The commission that God gave us was to go into the world and share the good news of his son Jesus and to preach the gospel with faith. To testify. The Bible declares in the book of Revelations that there is power in the word of your testimony. There is power in the word of your testimony. Sometimes that's the level of which God wants to use you to minister to somebody. Because I've seen instances where somebody will open their mouth to give their testimony and the spirit of God will kick in and something will come forth that they didn't even expect to come forward and that led into someone's salvation. Oftentimes, we get so caught up and what we don't have, instead of focusing on the most important thing we need, the Holy Spirit. So you got to be careful. You got to be wise. You got to be watchful and discerning. Because the enemy's trying to sift you out like wheat and the enemy's trying to catch you off guard. Glory to God. By getting you to focus on some other area that God didn't even purpose you to focus on in the first place. Sometimes your service and the level of your impact gets hindered because you're focusing more on what your status is in the church or what someone else's status is in the church or what someone else's elevation is in the church instead of focusing on your own. Instead of focusing on your own. Instead of focusing on the inventory that you need to be taking in your life as to where you stand in God, as to what you have in your life that you need in your life, which is a relationship with Jesus, the word of God, and the Holy Spirit of the living God. Making an impact for Jesus is not easy, but it is worth it. I'm going to say that again. It's not easy, 
but it's worth it. Because yes, you do got to focus on the right things. You do got to be attentive and alert. You do have to be responsive in the spirit. It's not easy, but it is worth it. And the beautiful thing about it is you're not doing it by yourself, but God is doing it right alongside with you. Jesus is doing it right alongside with you. The Holy Spirit that is alive in you is God's source of help that he has promised you to get you across the finish line, to get you to a place where you need to be. We have a promise in the word of God. And that promise is that if we lift up Jesus first, if we lift up Jesus, all people will be drawn unto him. That's the most important thing. That is the, the primary call in every Christian, every child of God's life. To lift Jesus and to keep him elevated, to keep him first place always. My God. Stop ignoring the call and embrace it. Because the truth be told, there are some of you that know this already, but you choose to make excuses because you're fearful of what men and women will think of you. You're fearful if you'll ever get married. You're fearful of what your life will turn out to be. But let me ask you, what better reward is there in life other than seeing someone commit or recommit their life to Jesus? What better reward is there in life than to serve God? What better reward is there in life than to allow, allow God to minister to someone else that needs ministering to through your life? See, Jesus says something along the lines of this. He says, I'll tell you the truth. <clears throat> if you cling to this life, you'll lose it. But if you let it go for my sake, you'll save it. And what Jesus meant by that saying was this. If you try to hold on to every materialistic thing and what you think your life is about, you're going to lose it in the end. But if you sacrificially let it go and serve me and keep me first place in your life and allow me to use you as my son or as my daughter, what greater reward awaits you in my kingdom, the kingdom of heaven? Stop ignoring the call. Stop making excuses as to why you can't do something. Stop putting God on the back burner in your life. Oh, Lord, I know I said I was going to serve you in 2022, and here we are in 2023, but I'm just not right yet, God. See, didn't you understand? Don't you know that God did not call those who were right? He called those who were a work in progress Ooh, Jesus, because see the greater glory, the glory of the Lord is better portrayed through those who are not right, but are still a work in progress. I can testify and tell you that I'm not perfect, that I'm not right. Hallelujah. But I am a work in progress. God is still working on me and I'm not afraid to say that. And you can judge me and you can ridicule me and you can do what you got to do, baby. But I am saved by grace and I am an anointed man of God. Hallelujah. And I, hallelujah, will lift Jesus so the nations can see him and come closer unto him. 
Maga. Maga. Will you stop ignoring the call? Will you stop making excuses? And will you embrace it? Stop waiting for man to call you to serve. And start serving by faith. For you have already been called to spread the gospel. And that is what it's all about. It's all about spreading the gospel. It's all about lifting Jesus. It's all about keeping God first place in your life and in your heart always. This is your call. That's number one. Number two, this is your purpose. This is your purpose. Once you connect yourself to the will of God by spreading the gospel of Jesus, he will make known to you his purpose for your life. See, I was content with just being a greeter in the local church. I was content with just being a preacher. I was content with just being a pastor. It all comes from the contentment of your heart. Once you start your will, uh, not your will, I'm sorry. Once you start your, 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 your service under God, once you start positioning yourself to share Jesus and to lift Jesus up for all to see by spreading your faith and the good news for anyone and to anyone and everyone who would listen and hear, then your purpose will come. I said, then your purpose will come. Say that to your neighbor. Then your purpose will come. <clears throat> I remember I was sitting in the pew at the age of 17 in that church, that Methodist church. And the Lord began to minister to my heart and began to be like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if you could lead people to, to me through the internet? Wouldn't it be cool if I could use you to spread my word across the internet and draw people closer to myself. And that's where the call began to come in. Never in a million years did I think that I would be serving God and to the level in which God has called me to serve in this hour. Your purpose is connected to the vision that God has given you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Your purpose is connected to the vision that God has given you. You ain't got your vision yet. That's okay. Wait for it. It will come. And when it does come, write it down. Make it plain on tablets of stone so that when you give it to someone, they can understand it and run with you if that's what they're called to do. See, your purpose is connected to your vision that God has given you. Don't let man tell you what your purpose is. Let God define what your purpose is going to be. Again, going back to the Pharisees and the Sadducees that I was talking about earlier. Sometimes they will try to get you to be and to do something that God never called or created you to do and be in the first place. Just keep that in mind. If you don't know what your purpose is, seek the Lord with the whole heart. 
This will include constant prayer, fasting, reading, and studying and application of the Word of God. So many times we get so down, uh, down on ourselves and sometimes we get so upset and so depressed that we don't know what our purpose is and that we don't know what our vision is and we feel like God can't use us. It's not that God can't use you. It's that you got to position yourself in a place where God can use you. Are you willing to take the first steps? Are you willing to give God your first yes? Are you willing to fully surrender your life to whatever the will of God for your life is? But again, it all starts by diligently seeking after him. That means seeking him in prayer outside of the, 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 the parameters of church on Sunday. Because sometimes we call going to church on Sunday seeking after God. Okay, that's cool. You sought after God on Sunday in a community setting. But what about Monday? What about Tuesday? What about Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Glory to God. Seek after God with a whole heart. Let the Spirit of God search your heart and reveal to you things that you need to let go of. Let God search the inner depths of your heart and your soul and let him take away anything and everything that is not of himself and ask him to replace it with more of him. Come on now. Your purpose must have substance to it. Your purpose must have substance to it. What is substance? Substance, sub, substance is something that fills the vision. Substance is something that fills the purpose. Substance is what gives life to the thing that God has just handed you. You got people out here on the field serving with a half-baked vision, wondering why people don't understand the vision that God has given them. If it's not done yet, it's not identifiable. If it is not done yet, it is not going to have any type of impact because you took it out of the oven too soon. Put it back in. Let God finish doing what he needs to do. Make sure that the vision is done being prepared before you take it out. Make sure that it has the substance that it needs to be effective for the season that God is commissioning you to do this thing, this new thing. <clears throat> My God. The purpose must have substance to it. Your God-given vision is the substance that gives your that gives life to your purpose. And the Spirit of God is the substance that gives life to your vision. Oh, Jesus, you might want to write that down. The vision. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives is the substance that gives life to your vision. Your vision is the substance that gives life to your purpose. Some people are on the field right now, clinging to a purpose that is half-baked, clinging to a purpose that has no vision, 
clinging to a purpose that has no substance. And they're wondering why there is no impact. And they're wondering why there is no testimony. And they're wondering why there's no praise report. Put it back in the oven. Let God finish cooking it. And then when he's ready to give it to you, let him hand it to you. And once he hands it to you, take it and go and start off running. Some people are eager to take what is not yet done. They're willing to take something that is not fully cooked through yet and try to offer it to somebody wondering why they're not biting the bait. Come on now. Does your vision have substance? Does your vision have substance? Does your purpose have substance? Some people on the field just clinging to a purpose that has no substance, that have no life. Wait for God to fill before you take your next step. Wait for God to fill you with substance before you take your next step. Wait for God to fill your purpose and your vision with substance before you take your next step. Jesus, this is your purpose. Lastly, my favorite. <laughs> Lastly, my favorite. This is your legacy. This is your legacy. Because you are walking with purpose that has been filled by God, the enemy will try to steal it from you. Because remember, the word says that the enemy is out to search, kill, and destroy. So the enemy will try to take away from you the purpose in which now has been filled with substance away from you. Because now he knows that if you understand the weight and you understand the fullness effect of what you're holding in your hand, that you are now a real threat to the kingdom of hell. So now what does he do? He tries to steal it from you. How does he try to steal it from you? Oh, I'm going to send this attractive person into their life. Oh, I'm going to try to confuse them. I'm going to try to get them caught up in the materialistic things of the world. I'm going to try to get them caught up in the things of their past. I'm going to try to get, a, get them caught up in things they should not be caught up in. I'm going to try to put fear in them. I'm going to try to plant some ungodly things in their path as to hope that it will prevent them from coming any further and closer to God. Always remember what God has given you. Always remember what God has given you. No one can take it away from you. Unless you choose to give it away. I'm going to say that again. Nobody, no angel in heaven, no demon or devil in hell, no man or woman on the earth can take away from you what God has gifted to you. Unless you give it away. See, sometimes the enemy will intimidate us and we don't even realize that we are tricked through our intimidation and we hand over what God has just placed in our hand. The good news to that is if you were fearful and you handed over to the enemy what God had placed in your hand out of intimidation, God is faithful. 
And if you ask God to get it back for you, he will get it back for you. Oh, you don't believe me. Uh, well, go to the book of Genesis chapter 2. Go to the book of Genesis chapter 2 and study that. And in Genesis chapter 2, what happened? Adam and Eve, they received a gift from God. What was that gift? They were um, closely connected to God to the point where they had fellowship with God in the twilight of the day. It says that God met with them in the garden. They had a physical fellowship intimacy with God. What happened? God told them not to eat of a particular fruit in the middle of the garden. They listened to the serpent and they did so anyway. And by doing so, they committed the first sin, uh, rebelling against God. And which caused God to curse the land and so forth and brought death and destruction and all that good stuff, right? And that's what the enemy wanted. But God already had another plan in place. God already had another plan in place and it was in the form of his son Jesus. He put his son Jesus, his own flesh and blood on the earth to die on a cross that we could be born again, that we could be sanctified and rectified, that we could be reconnected unto him. And so it is so. Jesus and through Jesus we have victory when Jesus died on the cross and he was raised on the third day He was the first person to step on the head of the serpent and because Jesus did we can now do say that somebody Oh Jesus say that to your neighbor because Jesus did now you can do because Jesus did You now can do he tread on the head of the serpent. So now you can tread on the head of the serpent So now what happened? Jesus, he resurrected, and he says, Behold, I hold the keys of life, death, hell, and the grave. See, those keys were originally given to Adam and Eve. And when they chose to rebel against God, they, out of intimidation, out of trickery, gave over what God gave to them. And Jesus went and got it back for us through his death and resurrection. So, you were fearful and you handed over. You handed over your legacy. This is your legacy. You were fearful and you handed over your mission. You were fearful and you handed over your purpose. You were fearful and you handed over the assignment. Ask God to get it back for you. And have faith and trust and know that he is capable and he is able. And he will give it back to you. Hand sealed, uh, signed, sealed, and delivered. Oh, Jesus, signed, sealed, and delivered, it is yours. But all you got to do is just ask. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. This is your legacy. No man, no demon, no devil in hell can take away the legacy that God is trying to portray in your life. Don't forfeit your legacy because you chose to give it away out of fear. The Bible says that God did not give you a spirit of fear, but he gave you a power, a sound mind. He gave you a power and a sound mind. You don't have to be fearful. You don't have to walk in fear. You don't have to walk in anxiousness. Start proclaiming the word of God over your life. Start proclaiming the promises of God over your life. Start proclaiming the word of God and the promises of God over your vision, over your purpose, and watch how it will be even more fruitful and grow. Let this, hallelujah, let this be the year. Let this be the season that you grow. Let this be the year. Let this be the season that you fully let God use you and the way that he wants to. 
the Bible teaches us and calls us to fight the good fight and to endure until the end. The journey is not and will not be easy, but with God, it is possible. Through your fight, through your obedience, through your sacrifices, you are allowing God to establish your legacy. Think about that. You are allowing God to establish your legacy. Jesus. Jesus. Church, do you receive this word on tonight? If you receive this word, give God all the praise, give him the glory and the honor that he so rightly and truly deserves. Give him a shout of praise right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your legacy that you have equipped us with. Thank you, Father, for the purpose and the vision that you have equipped us with. Thank you, Father, for all that is still yet to come. In Jesus' name, amen. See, church, we celebrate and we're grateful for the eight years of ministry. In the midst of the celebration, a lot of people don't know the struggle. <laughs> In the midst of the celebration, a lot of people don't know the struggle. They don't know the prayers that were prayed, the tears that were shed, the doubts that were had, the fear that was there. I had to live through some things, church. I had to go through some battles to keep this church up and running. But it is only by the grace of God and the strength of God that it is so. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, and amen.